Hello and welcome back, Disruptors, to the 88th episode. I am Bennett, your host, and this is Ashley. Hey, guys. Alrighty, so Ashley, we have, oh, I mean, guys, we have another great episode for you today. Uh, Ashley, what are we going to be talking about? All right, so we are going to talk about the um, recent videos that have come out about the protesters in Portland getting snatched up from the, off the streets from federal authorities. Absolutely. So I'm just going to start off with this video first of this man who shares, shares this incredible story um, from the Washington Post. Uh, let me go ahead and pull this up for you. Uh, so let's go ahead and watch it and then we'll comment after. So I sprint across this street, I dive over one of these cement walls and I dive over it and I roll in and tuck my body next to it and put my phone in airplane mode um, and just lay as, as still as I can after about 15 minutes, I find a Wi-Fi network to connect to. I send out an encrypted message to friends, uh, letting them know that the feds are out. I recorded a video first. For the people who are listening. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, this is Connor O'Shea took this video on the morning of July 15th in Portland. He described hiding from federal agents in unmarked cars as they arrested protesters. O'Shea said he was chased by officers as he was walking back to his car. My friends get the message from me. They come out here. I finally tell them the cross streets that I'm at. I jump out of the bushes, dive into the back of the car, and stay laying, laying down in the back of the car until we get across the river to the other side of town. We put the word out about my friend that I was running with. We're trying to get a bead on him. He's not responding to messages. Uh, finally, an hour or two later, he calls me, he's like, dude, they got me. They pulled my beanie down over my face. Uh, they held my arms above my head, threw me in the van, um, turned down the radio so I can't hear their comms. Uh, they drive around, I can't see anything. They pull me out. They take me into what he later found was the federal courthouse. So let's read this part as well. Um, so it says O'Shea's, <clears throat> O'Shea's friend said he was read his rights by federal agents, but not given any record of his arrest before being let go. The detentions caused outrage and city officials demanded that federal agents leave Portland. This is not about the police. So this part is uh, like how people took this, the, the instance of what happened in Portland. This is not about who did what when. As you know, Portlanders will continue to fight once we leave, get rid of these federal occupying forces. Yeah. Woo, woo. Church woman woke up this morning and found out what was going on in our city. And you know, none of us is thrilled about the vandalism that's gone on downtown. 
but we also aren't thrilled with the fact that, you know, more than a quarter of all the police shootings in this town are black people, and uh, some of the population is African-American. So having the feds come in and uh, try to quench this anger is not the right approach, and we want them out. And we're not going to have our citizens picked up, our sons and our daughters picked up and thrown again. It's upsetting that the feds would leave and want to leave a federal property in any city and wander the city streets and begin to detain people. I believe that that is a far reach of their efforts to protect federal property like the one right here. And I'm not familiar with uh, circumstances behind the young man that got grabbed in the van, but it is issued federal troops on city streets is a big problem. Giant problem, but I'm glad that they're having that kind of reaction. So uh, let's talk about this, right? So basically, if you guys haven't already been watching already or haven't uh, don't know about this, basically Trump sent federal agents uh, from a bunch of different uh, federal agencies uh, like ICE, um, like the CBP, like TSA, um, to assist the Federal Protective Service, which is the entity that protects the federal um, federal property, like courthouses and whatnot. <laughs> So they use that as their excuse or as their reason to go to Portland. That's what they're using. And that has a name, that's uh, statute code, they cited statute code uh, 40, uh, US code uh, 1315. Um, so this is what they cite when they are asked, why are you here? And um, this is basically called, in other words, this is also called the Homeland Security Act of 2002 that created that institution. So um, really interesting stuff, uh, but actually your take on that other than like, of course, the blatant like fucking kidnapping of uh, Americans uh, on our own streets and far away from the fucking courthouse. That you know, um, I find it just really alarming that federal agents are even on <laughs> the city streets. Um, and I think that that last uh, gentleman at the end made a really good point. If that is, this is a giant problem. You know, this is a huge infringement on our rights. Not just the fact that people are being kidnapped, but the fact that they're there in the first place. Um, and they want to cite that code that you had brought up. Um, but they're driving around in unmarked vehicles. They're grabbing people. Not, they're not standing. You know, I, there's one thing for standing in front of the courthouse, somebody comes up to try to break a window, to vandalize it, to spray paint it, you have the right under that code to protect that building at all costs, you know, it, arrest them, detain them, um, push them back, use your force. Um, I don't think that those flash bombs are okay either way, but you know, whatever. But that's not what's going on. Um, they're driving around picking people up. That's not, that's not pursuant to this code. I would call it a literal kidnapping, you know, like yeah. what they're doing is so like they're literally going around and unmarked cars, like you said, right? Um, they're not identifying themselves in any way. Um, apparently, in this case, they read uh, they read them their rights. But what good is that? What good is that do if all they do is just uh, take you to the courthouse and don't tell you shit basically until you get there? And like, who well, knows? yeah, the rights weren't read until after the fact, you know. 
Like what happened to all your rights up until that point? You know, your right to not be unlawfully detained, your rights for illegal first search and seizure, you know? So many, their rights are, you know, they, they, they're supposed to read your Miranda rights when you are arrested. You're supposed to be given a reason for why you're being arrested. And they're not doing either of those things. So yeah, that, that raises a giant constitutional uh, red flags for a lot of the people that care about that kind of stuff. So um, we're gonna comment. Which is hopefully that. everybody. Which is hopefully, yeah, <laughs> everybody, yeah. <laughs> good good uh, point to make. Uh, so there's this uh, quote that I wanted to mention from a professor, Michael Dwarf of Cornell University. Let me find it for you. So uh, he, he is quoted as saying, the idea that there is a threat to federal a federal courthouse and the federal authorities are going to swoop in and do whatever they want to do without any cooperation and coordination with state and local authorities is extraordinary outside of the context of a civil war. Uh, once again, uh, that is Michael Professor Dorf, a professor at the, uh, of, co of constitutional law at Cornell University. He also says, um, it is a standard move of authoritarians to use the pretext of quelling violence to bring in force, thereby mm -hmm. prompting a violent response and then bootstrapping the initial use of force in the first place. And then it goes on, this article also goes on to mention um, that President Trump has plans to send federal agents nationally. Uh, to other cities where this is a big problem. Uh, the Chicago Tribune also commented on that um, and that they were saying that Trump was planning to send 150 federal agents to Chicago. The ACLU of Oregon has sued, the federal, uh, has sued them in federal court over the agents' presence in Portland and the organization Chicago brand said it would similarly oppose a federal presence. And Chicago, I know Chicago's Mayor Lori Lightfoot has also been staunchly against the presence uh, of federal agents in Chicago. Um, I know Portland's mayor is also um, staunchly against it, but the president doesn't seem to give a fuck about that. So this is going to be a really interesting showdown in the courts. And then the protest is not going to go away. Like, this is just going to get worse and worse if the courts don't act fast. Um, so it's well, interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the court process and the reason why we have it set up this way is to protect everybody's rights, more, more importantly, the defendant's rights. Um, but it takes a long time because you have to have so much evidence, you have to have all these hearings, you have, um, then there's the trial, if there's a trial. Um, so it, it's, it's going to take a long time. It's not something you can just expedite the process because there's mass havoc around the, around the country. In all honesty, I think that this, um, this court case would potentially give some sort of precedent for the future. Our presidential, our, our president's allowed to do this. That's what it's really gonna, gonna um, do for us in the long run. And hopefully they're gonna rule no. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, there has been some uh, discussion in like Congress about like what's going on uh, and what he's using the federal agents for, but they're not really taking any hard stances on this, at least uh, not the majority of them. Uh, so we can't really expect any, any justice to come from our federal government, at least. Uh, we'll see what the courts do, but I mean, there's a reason well, why everyone's out there and protesting is because the system hasn't functioned in the way it's supposed to function. Um, and that's why everyone's pissed. 
And in all honesty, Congress does have the ability to tell Trump, you know, no, like this isn't okay. We don't want this to happen. So, it, I mean, it, you're completely right in saying that the federal government is completely failing us. And every single branch, you know, this is why we have checks and balances. Nobody's checking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like the president's war powers, you know, they, they, don't, they also don't question him then, um, him or her, I guess. Uh, they don't question them at that time because they don't want it on their names, like who, who signed on to this, who didn't, like, uh, they don't want that responsibility on their shoulders. They'd <laughs> rather have the president take all the heat um, rather than uh, them taking it on. So fuck them. Uh, I also wanted to talk about this, this quote uh, that Trump had mentioned. Um, he had been calling the protesters anarchists and agitators in a Sunday tweet, uh, saying the agents with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and Justice Department are on are on hand to help Portland and restore order um, at the courthouse. So um, the anarchists and agitators thing is the one that kind of gets me, right? So like what they're trying to do, like the professor, uh, Professor Dorf had mentioned earlier, is they're trying to paint this picture of what's going on in America, right? With all the protests and why everybody's going out there. They're trying to paint the picture that this is a violent uh, uprising, like everyone's trying to like destroy America, cause uh, social um, unrest and whatnot, or like that couldn't be farther from the truth, you know, because, and we all know that, right? The vast majority of us know that because we're the ones actually going out there. Most Americans <laughs> have actually participated uh, with, and one time or another with one of the protests. So um, it's really, it's, it's really fucking sad um, to see like what, um, what he's doing with that. But um, anything you wanted to uh, also mention with the anarchists and agitators that they're like, they're painting this picture that, that we're all this, but we're really not. And what they're going to do later on is just what? Blast us. It's just going to continue. And I think that that's, this is something that is not new to the Trump presidency, right? I mean, his, this rhetoric has been going on since before his election. Um, and I've been saying since the beginning of this that I think that Trump's uh, words um, describing the protesters has painted the widest brush ever over the entire BLM movement in general. Um, you know, people want to say that the movement is painting a wide brush over police officers. Sure, maybe there are good police officers. I'm sure there are good police officers out there. However, those good police officers are not standing up and doing something about it. That is why we're getting this wide brush, you know, over cops right now. This wide brush that Trump is painting over protesters is just completely inaccurate. And you can see that by going down to your local you know, your city, your local town or your city, and just looking at people protesting are the majority of the people you see have pitchforks and lighting shit on fire and, you know, spray painting things. No, they're not, you know? So it's just like the words, the word choices, you know, when he wants to call all the protesters Antifa, that was the first crazy thing that he did. And it's just like, this is what's getting people 
to agree with federal authorities coming in to our streets because they think that it's justified. And I think this is a great uh, point to uh, bring up again that quote from uh, Michael Dwarf uh, about the authoritarianism. Yeah. Uh, let me find it. Give me one second. Uh, okay, yeah. So once again, like we just painted, uh, like Trump explained to you how it is. It is a standard move of authoritarians to use the pretext of quelling violence to bring in force, thereby prompting a violent response and then bootstrapping the initial use of force in the first place. Like this is straight up like Gestapo type shit, like uh, fascist, uh, like I could expect this in like Nazi Germany, not United States. At least you wouldn't think so. Uh, but under Trump, it's, go it's heading that way. Uh, it's heading there. So uh, it's really interesting to see how the right is gonna react to this, whether or not they're gonna stick to the constitution and the rights that were actually given I know that, um, or uh, that we're allowed. Um, and then um, I know uh, the libertarians, uh, one of them at least, the one of the prominent ones in Congress, Senator uh, Rand Paul had come out against the use of federal agents um, and in preserving our liberty um, in that way. So like they should not, uh, he was saying that they should not be out there um, literally snatching people off the streets uh, that cannot be tolerated because it's a, a huge infringement on our uh, rights as citizens. Uh, and it cannot be selective, uh, like in the case that we saw with that video where like uh, you get your rights later on or like partial rights, like you get your rights at the courthouse instead of all of your rights, like you were mentioning uh, earlier on, Ashley, with uh, uh, all the other things. So um, anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? No. Yeah, I thought it was a good, uh, <laughs> covered everything for the most I guess part. just vote, guys. Just vote. Because that is why we're in this situation in the first place. Because enough people out there were wanted a change and they voted for Trump. You know? And what's really interesting is the people that want change are the people that keep voting for the system over and over and over and over again causing us to be in this cyclical system. Um, and we know it's rigged, you know, like everyone knows it's rigged. It's, well, I guess I can't say everybody, but um, you should know it's rigged. And that's another reason why a lot of the protesters are out there. You know, like we talked about this early on in, in our show that like this, is also gonna kind of combine with other movements like it did in France with the Yellow Vest movement. Mm -hmm. Their thing started off with the farmers and expanded to everything like uh, all the other movements that they had going on for social justice. The same thing is happening here. Uh, Latinos are also getting killed. Like, uh, like we're also seeing uh, a lot of that as well. So um, we should keep an open mind when it comes to that stuff and just do what the fuck is right and let's break the fucking wheel. Let's not keep this, this dystopia that uh, the boomers have created and every uh, other um, generation behind them. Let Generation Z be the last of that um, to see that and their kids and every generation after don't have to deal with that. That's what I'm signing on for, and I think that's what most of Americans that are going outside and protesting uh, during these last couple of months have uh, 
had as on their minds as well as a goal. So yeah, all right, let's wrap it up here. So once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in and watching this video uh, and listening if you're doing that as well. If you haven't done so already, follow us on our social media pages. Ashley, where can they find us? So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, we have a, a website on WordPress. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm missing one. Oh, of course, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're on there too. <laughs> yeah, and then you can find us if you just type in the search bar, the oligarchy, the oligarchy disruptor. So uh, once again, guys, thanks again for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. Hello, and welcome back to the 89th episode of the Oligarchy Disruptor podcast with your host, Bennett. And this is Ashley with us as well. Hey, guys. Alrighty. Um, so, uh, sorry guys, we've been gone for a little bit. Uh, I just wanted to give a little <laughs> explanation about that. Uh, times have been a little crazy, um, not only for you guys, but for us as well. A Ashley just uh, finished moving. She's been moving like her stuff from her apartment like for like a what like a week now, right? Or two, like two and a half weeks. Dang. <laughs> yeah. I know. So it's kind of taken a lot, a, a bunch of her time. Um, I know she's been really busy, like getting like work and all that that she's kind of going on with. So, giving her a break there. But don't worry, we're back at it, guys. We're here um, talking about our newest episode that we wanted to bring to you. Um, oh, before that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Oligarchy Disruptor. This is Ashley, and of course we have Bennett here. What's up guys? Um, so sorry for the delay in posting. I've been in the middle of a move, so things have been a little crazy. Um, happy to be back though. Missed you, Bennett. Uh, miss you too, Ash. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, we definitely miss our viewers as well. Um, we miss you guys a lot, uh, but we're working diligently um, on getting new content out for you guys, and we have a new episode coming out today, so very excited about that. Woohoo! Absolutely. Um, so if we wanted, I wanted to also mention uh, right after a little intro there and saying what's up to everybody, um, uh, please, if you haven't done so already, uh, definitely do follow us on our social media pages. We are everywhere you can find us. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, we got it. We also have a, a website. Uh, you can follow us there uh, for articles, but you can find us at The Oligarchy Disruptor wherever you type that in. Um, as well, uh, I wanted, oh wait, I wanted to also, fuck. <laughs> and now on to the episode itself. So today, guys, we're going to be talking about uh, an overall look at how um, what's been going on with the government um, and their response to coronavirus and how they basically have been promising since the last stimulus bill that they passed um, a new uh, stimulus, a new round of stimulus checks that they've been promising, which it looks like every single um, uh, proposal that has come out of Congress has included that. So they have kept their promise there. But where they have lacked over and over again is actually meeting the the needs of the American people. One, their financial needs during this time of crisis. Two, their healthcare needs. Uh, everyone needs Medicare for all. Universal healthcare has to be guaranteed to everybody. And it's becoming increasingly apparent that they do not give a fuck. Uh, if it wasn't already uh, apparent to all you guys out there, 
um, that is a huge issue with that. So we're going to be diving into that issue um, and going more into details of that. Um, but yeah, so uh, let's go ahead and jump in. So uh, Ashley and I, before we were uh, before we hopped on this episode, we were talking about how this how Trump is kind of getting a little desperate uh, with some news that had just come out about how he wanted to use an executive order um, to get, uh, uh, what was it, evictions, evictions done and payroll taxes. Mm -hmm. He wanted to use uh, his executive powers to get that done. Um, but as we all know, that is done by Congress. Um, so I thought, I thought that was going to be a really interesting thing uh, to kind of see how it plays out because we know uh, as well that Congress is given the, the war powers, right? Uh, they, have, they have the power to declare war, uh, and yet the president is usually the one uh, to be doing that as, uh, since uh, George W. Bush. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they relinquish their powers again uh, to <laughs> the president to do that, um, which I don't think they will, just because uh, I think that they're going to have a big problem with that. Uh, and the GOP has stood up to him, uh, especially with certain things like it's not necessarily Trump or Mitch McConnell or any of the top Republicans that are standing in the way of this bill moving forward. It's the majority of the GOP, really. And the the Democrats, I guess, because they won't concede to like getting 200 uh, people $200 a week instead of $600. Um, so that's kind of the conflict that they've been dealing back and forth with and weeks and weeks of discussions and daily meetings between uh, the top uh, White House advisors, um, uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, they're all getting together, meeting every single day for weeks and they have been doing this for weeks and the senators are about to go home. Um, the House passed their thing almost right away so they, the Republicans took forever to respond to it with their own bill, and it was complete shit. And now they have to negotiate for a new one. It looks like we're not being able to reach a crossroads. So interesting to see um, what, 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 what's your take on that or like any, any input on that? Yeah, I, I think that the, the threat of using executive action, I don't foresee. I, I think it's just Trump talking out of his but like he normally does. I don't think that it's actually going to happen. Um, obviously, people want this stimulus bill passed. Um, it's going to benefit a lot of um, a lot of a lot of Americans. So I I think that Trump making that announcement was just kind of a desperate political grab. Um, you know, he just wants to seem like he is um, looking out for the for the little guy and really wanting this this money. Um, given dispersed amongst Americans, um, when we all really know where this, where the majority of this money is going to go, and it's to people who don't really need it, to corporations who don't really need it. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about the executive order. Mm -hmm. How I feel about the stimulus is just, I just, it's just another day in the life of being a frustrated American waiting for Congress to do something. Um, I like what you said at the beginning about, you know, there are two major things that Americans need right now that Congress can, is continuously not um, putting forth any effort to, re to 
to reconcile in these bills, which number one, I think is healthcare. Um, they are getting some financial assistance, great, but, um, and we'll talk more about this later too. I don't, it's not helping, it's not helping people as much as people think it is, the $600. Um, but healthcare, oh my gosh, if a worldwide pandemic does not give Congress a reason to grant universal healthcare, I mean, I am very scared of what will. <laughs> to me, that needs to be the first thing. And when we were talking earlier, it just seems like they keep placing band-aids on things instead of actually trying to fix the problem. You know, one of the scarier things to me is that, like, even with all that, and we have a Democratic nominee, Joe Biden, who has said time and time again that even if Medicare for All was passed by Congress, both sides of Congress, he would not sign the bill because of cost. Um, and that's a huge problem. But so not only are they not fighting for it in Congress, but they're putting forth a presidential candidate who is not even for Medicare for all. And let's not remember when we watched all of those presidential um, nominee debates, Democratic debates, almost every single one of those people were for Medicare for all. How did we end up with a candidate that is against Medicare for all? Literally probably the only one that wasn't. <laughs> it's mind blowing. Yeah, um, I mean, and that's just that just goes on to reinforce the the con or the idea that people have formulated in their heads about how how really similar Trump is to Joe Biden, mm -hmm. and how really similar like both parties are actually to each other. Um, mm -hmm. the coronavirus and this time period has opened the eyes of countless people throughout the world, uh, and especially in our own country. Um, but God, like uh, going back to the money part of the stimulus bill, like God forbid uh, that people made like $600 a month uh, on the back uh, from the government when they uh, give trillions of dollars to um, the corporations, corporations and, the banks. Yeah. Um, and even with the, the newest bill uh, that uh, the Senate came out with in response to uh, the newest uh, Democratic bill that came out of the House, they um, like the the comparison of funding between the two. The Democrats had like over three trillion dollars worth of funding for theirs, and the Republicans came out with, I believe, a little bit over one trillion dollars. So a drastic difference. Uh, they were offering two hundred dollars. The the Democrats were offering six hundred. Just giant giant differences between the two um but neither like i said neither meet the needs of the people mm -hmm. um even if they do get a little more funding with the democrats or whatever like you should understand that those are temporary exactly um, those are band-aids like you were just saying so that's something that we should all keep in mind when we're voting for these people in november um and how about health care costs what about people who are paying out of pocket for some of these healthcare costs or who are being billed for these healthcare costs? I know now it's, it's not easy to get a free COVID test. Uh, it's cost $150. That's a lot of money. How many people are not getting tested just strictly because that's their food, food for the month? That's their, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of concerning too. In the middle of a pandemic, you would want as many people um, who feel ill to be able to get that test so that you can protect the rest of uh, the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but that kind of reminds me of like how the president has made a big deal about the tests uh, in recent days and blames uh, the, um, the meteoric rise of uh, the US in the coronavirus charts, the death charts at least, uh, and the, um, the uh, actual contagious parts. Uh, we have skyrocketed there and the president blames that on the amount of testing that we do because we do great the best testing in the world We have the greatest testing in the world and because of that uh, Because of our great fantastic testing system that we have in the United States uh, That makes us look really bad because no one else is testing their people uh, And at least that's what the president wants you to believe Right and he uh, says this after closing thousands of centers labs labs testing for it and centers to get tested <laughs> that's really funny and then he also wants the schools to be open but but he doesn't want you to vote in november because it's a there's a pandemic going on and we don't know if that's safe or anything like that and um, God forbid, when it was super mail. tuesday when it was super tuesday in the midst of pandemic the democrats and the republicans are both saying go out make sure your vote is counted um very few people like bernie sanders were telling or telling people to stay home vote by mail the president himself voted by mail and is yet denying everybody else. So it's very interesting. He's gonna, and he claims that the reason why he's not gonna do that is because of fraud, mm -hmm. uh, possible fraud. Uh, he said that this, the states are gonna cheat, that no, this has never really happened before. And he's right about that. This really hasn't happened before. Yes. But I mean, you're not, are you gonna prefer the lives of your people, of your constituents over, um, over people showing up to show a more reliable vote. Didn't the reliable votes that people actually show up in November uh, when you were elected president in 2016, didn't you also say that uh, 3 million illegal votes were ca uh, cast outside of, uh, what was it, California? Oh yeah, he was blaming the California voter, illegal voters uh, in California for voting uh, 3 million outside of that. So uh, it, he's just an extreme hypocrite. If you guys just don't see this, you're not paying attention or you're biased. And you know, the, the thing is, is at any, at any election after this past election, people are always going to say something about election fraud. Um, so, I mean, whatever. And I, I think I just read an article where Nancy Pelosi was saying that mail-in voting was going to be a takeover by Republicans and going to be the largest Republican election fraud in history or something like that. So people are saying it on both sides. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I also wanted to kind of pivot to the topic of the progressives uh, that have won uh, in yeah. recent days, right? Uh, so that was big news for the left um, when it comes to that. Um, the um, uh, Pramila Jayapal, uh, she won her primary. Um, who else won? Rashida Tlaib won uh, mm -hmm. her primary, mm -hmm. uh, one of the squad. Alex of the squad is also growing bigger. Uh, Paula Jean Swearingen uh, won the Senate in West Virginia. Um, Which is a great win, West Virginia. That's a really great win. Yeah. Uh, as well as uh, Cori Bush in Minnesota, I believe, who believed uh, she defeated a 10-term incumbent and his father was the one before him, which was there for like forever. Um, so that was a pretty incredible upset as well. Um, 
but something that I wanted to talk about and fixate on this specifically um, on top of, well, first off, I wanted to mention it. Congratulations to them all. It's fantastic wins. I think they're going to do amazing things in Congress. Um, now, uh, now that I've said that, I want to mention that uh, it really, at least this is my opinion, it really won't matter how many progressives we elect and how left they really are unless we get rid of the neoliberals like Nancy Pelosi, like the Chuck Schumers, uh, like Mitch McConnell, like all those motherfuckers. We didn't, like, they are terrible, terrible. They are what's causing this, you know? Nancy Pelosi is the one standing in the, fr in, in the way of us and UBI, uh, permanent UBI. Nancy Pelosi is doing that. Nancy Pelosi is also uh, in the way of us getting our universal health care. She's in yeah. a way of, um, like I said, the UBI too. Like there, countless things that they keep giving um, Trump to go to war. Uh, keep giving Trump money to go to war. That's what I meant to say. My bad. Um, but yeah, so like countless things. They're just hypocrites, and they just keep the system going. The status quo is while the Democrats, the Republicans are in power, the status quo is well, uh, well in place. Yeah. And the status quo, it seems, has no response, uh, no, no feasible response to uh, instances like the ones we're going through, events like the ones that we're, we're living through right now. And it's mm -hmm. becoming incredibly apparent, uh, which is why like um, uh, hashtag Marxism, hashtag socialism is all trending in like the tens of thousands uh in the recent uh, days and weeks on uh social media uh, especially on like twitter and stuff you guys are paying, paying attention to that people are looking for alternatives because the system is failing the system is not providing for its citizens the government is failing us um it's just an all-around failure and if you're a millennial i was reading about this the other day if you're a millennial you have been fucked countless times you got fucked in like the 90s. You got fucked uh, in 2008 when you're coming out of college or when uh, you were going. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when, into college. Yeah. Into college, 2008, uh, 2020, uh, you got hit again. Um, so like. We got fucked when we left college. <laughs> after spending all of this money on education. Yeah. Uh, so like. Are these people really wrong to look for an alternative? I don't think so. Um, and I think this is a great way to kind of mention our future episode, um, which we were going to do today, but we're going to kind of postpone. Uh, but this kind of makes you remind me of like the topic of worker cooperatives. And that's going to be uh, something that we're going to talk about on our next episode. Uh, but to me, it's become a blueprint for the future uh, of how capitalism can be and work more efficiently. If you want, if you guys, uh, if it interests you, go uh, go ahead. I discovered it um, from Dr. Richard Wolf, um, or yeah, Professor uh, Richard Wolf, who is a, a Marxist economist, um, who uh, has tons of YouTube videos. I definitely recommend him and uh, his work out there. So um, I don't want to get yeah, too much away other than that. Uh, but yeah. It, I think it's a great way for uh, the majority of the people, working people, uh, to change the situations for the better. Um, and, and to have a say in the decisions for the future. Absolutely. And, and more than anything, I, I, 
it's plausible. Like this is possible, not only possible, but it's being done as we speak in Spain and around the world. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> um, anything else that you wanted to mention before we go ahead and wrap up this episode? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. Just All like right. us on our social medias. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, damn. I forgot <laughs> to mention that earlier. Uh, yeah. So definitely follow us on our social medias, guys. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, Twitter. we have a website. Type us in, the Oligarchy Disruptor, and uh, you'll be able to find us anywhere. So with that, we'll wrap up here. Thank you guys again so much for tuning into this episode, and we'll catch you in the next one. See you guys. See you guys. <laughs>